Shady Boss lied to me about my position and benefits for years, ended up costing him $21,000 in reimbursements. A few years ago, I worked at a big retail company for many years. Eventually, I went through enough grad school education to get my license to work at a higher level. This meant more pay, more job satisfaction, more responsibility, fancy title, but unfortunately, the job market was rough. I stayed on with the company to work in a floater position where I would cover a large area and work all the stores on a rotating but irregular basis. Eventually, I wanted to get a staff position where I have a single store assigned. The area was huge, the furthest store being over a hundred miles from my home and that is exactly where I was assigned to train for my new role. It was a rough store. People in my position were robbed and assaulted at gunpoint. The neighborhood was very unfriendly. Volume at the store was among the highest in the state and staff turnover was, as you might expect, extreme. Well, after training, I wasn't being scheduled to float to other stores, once a month at most. I asked to be scheduled a little bit more diversely, since most of the stores in my area were much closer to my home and didn't require four hours of driving a day. Bossman told me that I was the only floater experienced enough to handle that store. I didn't buy it, but what can you do, right? Well, a colleague of mine told me about the mileage reimbursement policy. Floaters working at a store more than 50 miles from their home can file for reimbursement of mileage over 50 miles each way. This also included meals. So I filled out a few of these and sent them to my boss to sign. He didn't refuse, but he actually never signed or filed them. I suspected as soon as I left his office at the district center, he tossed them out. Bossman tells me later they must have been lost in the system. Eventually, the same colleague showed me how to fax those same forms to accounts payable, bypassing the district boss. So I started doing just that. One day, Bossman calls me in a panic. He wants me to stop filing those forms. I asked to be floated closer to home, but he won't budge. He says he needs me at that miserable store. He promises me that he will make me a staff role at the store if I promise to stop faxing those forms. Staff roles are a promotion and usually come with better pay and a few other little conveniences, so I agree. Bossman says there won't be a pay bump right away, but it'll come down the road. That never happened. Two years later, the situation at the store has become too toxic for even me. I asked to step down from the staff position to be a floater again and be allowed to float to other stores. Bossman says that I'm already a floater, never was in a staff position, but he can't let me go work at other stores because it's better for me and the customers if I stay there for familiarity. Floaters don't get scheduled to stores exclusively, so I'm being singled out because they're so desperate to cover that dump of a store. At this point, I'm livid, so I start looking. It took me months, but I eventually found an opportunity to make my dream career transition. I put in my formal notice, and that's when the fun started. Well, I kept a meticulous track of all my shifts, and there is no statute of limitation baked into the policy. So I started filing out those reimbursement forms to retroactively cover every shift from the past two odd years. I skipped the meals part because I didn't want to go through all of the effort of finding receipts. I had a friendly store manager start signing off on them and I sent them directly to accounts payable. I didn't fax them all at once, but for each shift in my final two weeks, I faxed a few dozen in. We still had a fax machine in this line of work, believe it or not. I figured, what do I have to lose? Worst case scenario, accounts payable declines the forms. On my last few shifts, I started getting the checks from accounts payable. Not added to my paycheck, but sent to me directly. Mileage reimbursements are non-taxable income, so this was all tax-free money coming to me. It must have taken a while for the charges to show up on the balance sheet because a few weeks after my final paycheck, I got a call from my now former boss. He wasn't happy. He got some big loss prevention manager involved and together they started saying that I was breaking some rule by requesting the payments. They specifically claimed that I was ineligible because I agreed and I wouldn't be eligible in a staff position. They then threatened legal action against me if I didn't remit the full amounts back that same week. 
But I had the email chain from when Bossman said I was never staff, and I was always a floater. I politely referred to that email chain before letting them know firmly that because I was lied to, our prior agreement didn't apply and I was fully eligible all along. Corporate policy, as confirmed by HR, agreed with me. So I let them know I wasn't returning a single penny. In the end, the reimbursements amounted to well over 21,000 USD. And I transitioned into my dream job. I would say that I would trade that money back for the time that I lost commuting to that miserable store, four hours every shift, but all that pressure motivated me to make the best career move of my life. The great satisfaction of not only professionally surpassing my old boss, but getting to tell him that his lies cost him way more on the way out is almost priceless. I also shared my story and method with many colleagues who were being told wrongly by the boss that they didn't qualify for this policy. This story does have an edit. Edit 1. Thank you for all the support and comments. As many of you correctly guessed, I worked as a community pharmacist. I do want to clarify that most of my workers, technicians, pharmacists, front-end staff, and customers and patients were amazing people. Between them and my subscription to Audible with a long list of books I always wanted to read, it made the situation tolerable with all that time. The job retail market for pharmacy was and is also very rough, and I don't think I can overstate that enough. It has empowered big chains to abuse their staff this way and other ways. This also endangers patient care, not to mention staff's mental health. I spent more than 10 months searching before I found an opportunity that involved me leaving the profession entirely. The district manager, who was the boss man, and the general store manager who was fully complicit in this lie are both still working for the company last I saw. Moral of the story, please understand your company's policies and ignore any verbal agreements or HR unsupported decrees otherwise. And be kind to your pharmacy staff, the job and the company are not always kind to them. That story is pretty relatable and since the OP didn't specify which big company they work for, I feel like it's pretty easy to guess and I'm sure most people listening have shopped here before. If my guess is correct, I also worked for this big company for five years. Anyways, I'm glad this person got 21k reimbursed and got to stick it to their boss on the way out. Like I've said many times before people, always make a paper trail when your boss promises you something. It'll save you in the long run. You want me to shut up and follow directions? Okie dokie. New to Reddit and just discovered this sub. Reading your fabulous malicious compliance jogged my memory. This happened around the 2000s when I was working for my uncle's fencing company. So customer A purchased a newly constructed home. Cookie cutter, everything building grade. The land plots were divided by fluorescent orange marking spray paint. Hardly official. My uncle submitted a bid per customer A's request and we got the project. We had the lowest bid, around 1200 lower than their competition. The caveat? We collect full payment up front. Not a deal breaker for most customers as we accept credit card payments. This way both parties are protected from fraud. During that time, my uncle had just left his previous job as a land surveyor. His specialty? Property line surveying. The estimated property line? marked by the above mentioned orange spray paint was nearly two feet off one side of customer A's property. My uncle makes the necessary adjustments and we start digging the post holes. Customer A makes a surprise job site visit. He sees our post holes and turns beet red. He rushes towards us and starts dropping F-bombs left and right. What the heck are you idiots doing? You're giving away part of my property, my jerk neighbor. Can't you jerks bleep and see the bright orange markings on the bleeping dirt? I want you geniuses to fill up these holes ASAP and dig right where the orange lines are. I want my fence directly on top of the orange lines. I just about lost it when I was about to get in customer A's face. My uncle stopped me and he tries to explain. Those orange lines are off. Customer A interrupts. I'm the one paying here, not you. You follow my bleeping directions. 
please, if you would just let me explain. No, no, no. I paid you in full. You're not paid to explain. You're paid to build my fence exactly the way I want it, where I want it. This bleeping conversation is over. He drives off and my uncle looks at me with a malicious smile. Let's grab an early lunch and then we'll give him what he wants. I shrug. Over lunch, he calls my aunt, his secretary, to have her draft a new JOC work order, aka a contract. In it, he specifically and officially noted that the fence will be erected 22 inches east of the official property line, and that customer will shoulder full responsibility and liability should a conflict arise with their future neighbor. The home next door was still unsold at this point. Aunt emails the contract to customer A. My uncle and I have our two martini lunch hour. Aunt calls and says customer A has signed and emailed the contract back to her. And now that we have a paper trail, we go back to the job site and continue working. The same afternoon, customer A pays another visit and says, just checking to see if you decided to follow my instructions. You two idiots didn't wait until I signed that new contract before resuming work, did you? We sure did. As he turned around to leave, I hear him mouth something like, bleeping idiots. Upon completion, three days later, he signs off that the work was satisfactory. He was still in jerk mode, refusing to acknowledge either my uncle or I when we thanked him for his business. Four months later, he contacted my uncle again, requesting for a bid on a new project. Yup, you guessed it, to move the existing fence on top of the official property line. We gave him an unreasonably high bid and still secured the project. This time around, he was a teddy bear throughout the entire thing. Always make a paper trail. I don't know how many times I have said this by now, but this is the best thing you will ever learn if you start a business or work for a big company. Actually, if you work for any company. This dude was a total jerk, though. I don't understand why people feel like they need to be this way towards the working class. I hope he's learned his lesson for being a jerk. I don't do anything right. Fine, I'll do it your way. I used to work for a private company, which was owned by a wealthy woman who could afford to have her dim-witted, stubborn, and mean daughter run one of the departments. It didn't go well, but it was a small department, and the mother was more interested in keeping her daughter happy than making a profit. Thankfully, the daughter, M, usually only worked a few hours each morning to help me out, and then she would leave. I'm all for inclusion and encouraging people to learn new things, but M was not fit for management and definitely didn't have the faculties for accounting. She would help me, and I would wait for her to leave so I could fix it, writing legible notes, sending notices, giving customers change and receipts, posting past due notices, etc. This went on for three years until I found a better job and gave my two weeks notice. M was livid. She felt like it was a betrayal. M started staying all day to start doing bookkeeping. She started talking to coworkers and customers alike, telling them I don't know how to do my job. I do everything wrong, and it's all my fault we weren't a better department. She would do this in front of my face, too, pulling someone aside to talk in stage whispers. I can't do anything right? If you say so, I stopped doing things my way and I started doing them explicitly how she asked. I won't take full usage from payment, but instead give change like they're buying one unit. I won't transcribe her atrocious handwriting. I won't give past due notices. I won't maintain the customer balance spreadsheet. By the end of my last two weeks, they had switched from using Excel to using a spiral notebook to log customer payments, gave away the laptop with the old notes and customer contact sheet, and forgave any outstanding balances because M insisted my notes were wrong, meaning they lost a couple thousand dollars 
and clients have no way to contact them unless they came in person since our department didn't have a designated phone number. But remember, I didn't do anything right. Man, I don't know if there's anything worse than a manager that got their job because mommy and daddy gave it to them. It's kind of hard to respect someone in a position of power when they didn't work to get there. I don't know. That's my opinion. But what do you think? Was this guy a jerk for what he did? You don't care what I wear to the party? Okay, bet. This happened a long time ago in a friend group of mine. Julia, 27 female at the time of the incident, was having a garden party. Julia was basically a good person, but stressed out over tiny details easily. And when she was throwing a party, she could sometimes get a little, well, whatever the equivalent to a bridezilla is that's actually not at a wedding. In this case, she was driving all of us girls nuts with her vision for the party, which included each of us in a different color coordinated pastel dress so that we could collectively look like a rainbow. Enter Mickey, 24 male. Mickey was and still is Julia's best friend. He definitely had a streak of mischief to him. And he was also the only person who could usually make Julia see how ridiculous she was being when she got like this. We asked him if he could talk to her about it, but he didn't get anywhere this time. Julia said tiredly, please just let me have this. I've been working on it for months. Eventually, we ended up agreeing to wear what she wanted us to wear, so long as she paid for the dresses, which to her credit, she did. Meanwhile, though, Mickey asked her what he was supposed to wear. Now, Julia's vision didn't really include specific plans for what the guys were going to wear. She just wanted them in suits and stuff. So when Mickey asked her that in the middle of a hurried moment, she blurted, I don't care, just wear whatever you normally wear to an outdoor party. Cue malicious compliance. Or at least mischievous compliance, since I don't think there was much malice involved. See, Mickey worked at a Ren fair. When he went to outdoor parties, which he did several times every summer, he attended as part of the staff, and he had a very specific costume he was supposed to wear. And so, on the day of the party, he shows up early, along with most of the rest of us, to help Julia set up. And he was wearing a full Ren Faire Jester's costume, complete with cap and bells. To Julia's credit, her first reaction was to laugh her head off. Her second was to swat him. Mickey did set up the jester's outfit and then fully admit it just before the party that he had a different outfit in his bag if she would like him to change. He hadn't intended to really mess up her party, only to break her brain a little bit before it started. Julia eventually did tell him that it would be nice if he would go change, but she did have to think about it. She admitted she started to think it might be worth it just to see how everybody else reacted to this perfectly set up garden party with the pseudo medieval jester wandering around. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I kind of want to hang out with Mickey. 
This is the kind of malicious compliance that I love. It doesn't hurt anyone, and people probably got a good laugh out of it. So good on Mickey for bringing the laughs to the party. Also, I like that the OP didn't automatically call Julia a Karen. I know we do a lot of Karen stories around here, but sometimes people do just get frustrated when they're trying to plan stuff out. So it's always good when friends can call out your flaws, but also know that you're still a good person underneath your crazy. That ain't no way to speak to a lady. So I've been a shift supervisor for a retail drugstore chain for over a decade. An unfortunate part of my job is I get cursed at a lot. Sometimes I joke that I'm immune to it. Some many years ago, I was working at a store in a not-so-good area. There were constantly homeless panhandlers outside. We called this group of them the Wasted Bunch for obvious reasons. They were becoming such a nuisance that we decided to exercise our right to refuse service and refuse to sell them booze. They were able to buy anything else in the store but booze. They didn't really take that well, but it kept them away. This particular day, I got a complaint about panhandlers outside, so I go out and tell them to leave. It's the Wasted Bunch, and they have a new friend. We'll call him John for this story. Before I tell them to leave, I see one of the Wasted Bunch handing John some money and overhearing Bubba Light. The Wasted Bunch leave, and John makes his way to the booze section to pick up an 18-pack of Bubba Light. Inferring that the Wasted Bunch have found a new way around our refusal, I decide to handle John myself. I tell John that I know he's buying booze for the Wasted Bunch, so I'm exercising my right to refuse service. John gets irate. After arguing with me for a few minutes, he spouts some colorful language at me and makes his way out. On his way out, he yells a few swear words at a passing customer. The next thing I hear is a female voice screaming, Honey! Honey, no! I see a woman about 50 grabbing her husband's shirt. Husband is also about 50. I'm going to refer to the husband as Dave. Dave has his fists clenched and he is marching his way towards John, screaming, That ain't no way to speak to a lady. Dave's wife stops him before he gets to the door. The couple get in line and I start ringing up customers with another cashier. When Dave and his wife get to my register, I thank Dave for being a gentleman, but I'm okay. Dave's wife explains that her husband does not tolerate people using foul language to women or mistreating women. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking Dave is nuts. John is about the same age as Dave, but about a foot taller. John also looks a little heftier than Dave. Fast forward two weeks later, and the overnight shift supervisor is dealing with a homeless man. It's 5 a.m., and the homeless man will not stop cursing. Every other word out of his mouth is a curse word. He's saying it to the supervisor and the cashier, both female, and to a few customers. The supervisor is trying to figure out what to do when Dave comes in. Dave confronts the homeless man in a firm tone, That ain't no way to speak to a lady. Apologize now. Homeless man then starts cursing at Dave. Dave hands homeless man $20 to please get lost and take his dirty mouth back to where he came from. Dave specifically mentions several nearby counties and cities that have had bad homeless problems. Next thing, Supervisor notices homeless man running off and Dave has a large cut on his arm. Supervisor offers to call 911, but Dave refuses. He claims that he was trying to give the homeless man a hug and something on the homeless man's jacket cut him. Supervisor grabs some first aid supplies for Dave. Dave buys what he came in for along with the first aid supplies, even though we said we would comp them. I come in two hours later to start my morning shift and my supervisor is telling me of the events of the night. We pull up the camera footage and watch the events unfold. I had told the overnight supervisor about Dave, but she had never met him prior to this. 
I confirmed that that was him. Apparently, after Dave tried to give the homeless man $20, homeless man pulled out what looked like a knife. When Dave tried to take the knife from him, he got cut. We reported the incident to the higher up, stating that Dave did not want to press charges and did not want medical attention. Just to give a perspective, most of us have heard that cursing is wrong and that you don't use it in front of women. However, Dave has been the only one we've ever seen enforce it. We later learned that Dave is the owner and instructor at a mixed martial arts studio and gives free self-defense lessons. So Dave has a few black belts. To Dave and all the men like him, thank you for being gentlemen, but be careful. Let's raise a glass to Dave. I'm not a fan of violence against others, but I also understand that sometimes people just need to get knocked out for acting up. So shout out to Dave for making the world a better place. But remember kids, Dave has a few black belts, so don't try being a hero if you've only ever fought people in Fortnite. Am I the jerk? I fell in love with someone else. About 30 minutes ago, it hit me. I cried with the realization and guilt. I'm in a committed relationship with a wonderful man. We've been together for over 10 years and we have created a blended family together. He's truly my best friend and I know how lucky I am to have him in my life. A few months ago, a new guy joined our workplace and I had an instant crush on him. We get on very well and share a lot of interest. We talk outside of work occasionally, nothing crazy, and I would never even entertain the idea of being anything more than friends. Anyways, I found myself looking at pictures of him. I knew I shouldn't be doing this, but I did it anyways. It was right then that it hit me that my feelings had moved beyond a crush, not maybe love, but certainly felt like it was for a moment. Now I'm feeling massively guilty. I love my partner and I just thought of having any kind of feeling for anyone else makes me upset. I would never do anything to hurt him, ever, but I can't stand feeling like this. Do I tell him or is it not worth causing trouble over since I know nothing would ever happen? Side note, the other guy is definitely just a friend and I'm pretty sure he has nothing but friendly feelings towards me. Oh man, the classic workplace love interest. I won't lie, this has definitely happened to me multiple times while I was dating someone for five years. Oddly enough, these women were always from California, a place I had never visited before, but they just gave out this different vibe, which I enjoyed. Also, now that I visited Cali, I love it there. But I think this is just human nature to develop feelings for other people, especially if you see them on a daily basis and get along. The important thing is that you never act on those feelings. I hate this idea that people can't be attracted to their friends. It's like the moment you admit that someone is attractive, it means that you have no self-control and things are going to get spicy. It's called respect and believe it or not, people still have that sometimes. That's it for today's video. If you want to make sure you don't miss out on any content, hit that subscribe button and make sure you hit that bell to turn on notifications. If you want to finish listening to all those stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you're someone who live streams and needs copyright free music, check out the Cream of the Crop music by searching Cream of the Stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you choose. Remember, it's free.